listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsea's Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. this message. God, give people ears to hear what you would say to them today, because God, I believe we have a great message that can bring great hope into the lives, into the hearts of everyone that would hear. And God, we thank you for this day. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to continue our Christmas series on Tis the Season 2. We've talked about Tis the Season 2, be jolly. Talked about how God wants to give us contentment that despite the circumstances, we can still have a joy and a contentment that just emanates out through our lives. We can have a peace when everyone else is stressing out. God can give us an inner strength and an inner peace. We talked last week about it's the season to give the joy that connected to giving is receiving. God says in giving you shall receive and God says how you receive is a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and as I like to say, and hooking a brother up. So it's good stuff that God wants to give back to your life. Well, we're going to continue the series today, but we're going to look at tis the season to love. Or perhaps even said in a better way, tis the season to be loved. That you and I can realize today that we can be loved in God. And as we're going to discover today, as a result of His love, we can love and we can touch other people. Come on, say with me today, love. Love. Come on, say it with a little bit of passion. Come on, love. Come on, just say that with me. You know, love is such a powerful word. Love changes everything. We heard that today. Just a baby changes everything. Love changes everything. But yet such a powerful, such an incredible word is also so confused today. Because as a result of a lot of people's hurts, as a result of a lot of people's pains, they have misrepresentations of really what love is. Unfortunately, we've created a different definition today of love. A love that's not really true. And I I looked in the dictionary, actually the Urban Dictionary defines love this way. I like what it says on Google. It gave a whole list and I, I like this one. It said this, look at this. It says, the most spectacular, indescribable, deep euphoric feeling for something. Think about that. Think, think about that for someone And a spectacular, indescribable feeling. I read this too and I thought it was really cool. A quote that says this. One word frees us of all the weight and the pain of life. And that one word is love. One word frees us of all the weight and the pain of life. And that one word is 
love. If you have your Bibles today, why not turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called really the love chapter. And we're going to read some scriptures there today to discover what God says about love. So beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, Paul writes these words, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, in other words, if I speak a language of heaven or if I speak a language of earth, but I have not what? If I have not love. Say with me, that's the key ingredient. Come on, that's the key ingredient. I can have all these things that we're going to read on. But he says, if I do not have love, or really the thought he has here is if I don't love other people. If I don't have a love that's expressive. If I don't have a love that's given. What does he say I have become or I am? He says, I am a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. How many would pay money to go and hear someone hit a cymbal? You wouldn't. Now, someone play a piano, or someone play a saxophone, or someone play a guitar, or if you're really crazy, someone play an accordion. Kelly and I went to eat. True story. We went to eat Friday night. We had a date night. Mum and Dad watched the kids. We had a date night. So I said to Kelly, what do you want to eat? I mean, surprise, surprise, she said fried shrimp. Kelly eats fried shrimp even at McDonald's if there was, possibly something like that. I mean, fried shrimp everywhere she goes. She says, I want some fried shrimp. I said, that's great. Well, where should we go? We were going shopping, so we thought, where's somewhere good to eat fried shrimp on Blue Bond? I said, what about Bhutan's? Bhutan's, Bhutin's, Bhutan's, whatever it is. I said, what about that place? She said, sounds great. So we walked in, and when we walked in there, they had a live band that night, and they were giving some Zydeco stuff, and they were rocking and rolling. And we sat down almost in front of the speaker. And we couldn't hear each other. We were shouting across the table. So how are you doing? Kelly had to move around. But come on, there's accordions. People like that kind of stuff. Incidentally, true story, they didn't come in service for 15 minutes. So we got up and walked out and went to Ralph and Kaku's. And it was so romantic and quiet in there. And we had a good time. But you know what? People pay to hear things like that. But no one pays to hear just a cymbal being... You know why? That's annoying. I mean, that's annoying, really, really annoying. And you know, God is telling us through his scripture that if we don't have love, our lives can be pointless. Our lives can be annoying, annoying. Let's read on and it goes and it says this. And though I have the gift of prophecy, or if I did have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I know everything about everything, He's saying, and though I have all faith that I could speak to madness, that's a lot of faith right there he's talking about. But notice what he says, if I do not have love, if I don't have love, guess what? If I don't have love, look at the next three words. He says, I am nothing, nothing. There's no true significance that I have in my life. Unfortunately today, there are too many people living with nothing. And I'm not talking about no money in the bank account. I'm not talking about broken homes and all that, that we can jump to the conclusion we're speaking about nothing going without. But you know what? There's a lot of people today that are not truly where God wants them to be, living the joys, the fulfillments, the life that God has. Why? Because they don't have love. Without love, there's nothing. 
There's lots of homes, there's lots of marriages, there's lots of relationships today that have nothing. There's no love, there's no commitment, there's no togetherness, there's no spark. Why? Because they have let go of or they have lost sight of the most important ingredient and that is love, love, love. Our lives will only be nothing. Never have the truest meaning. Always searching for relevance. Always searching for peace. Our lives will never be what God intended them to be if we don't have the love of God inside of us. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. That's a good thing. And though I give my body to be burned, I sacrifice my life. It's a good thing. But notice what he says. If I do not have love, all that stuff, Profits me nothing. Without love, there's no blessing, there's no reward, there's no return, there's no profit to my life. New Living Translation says, if I don't love others, I will be of no value whatsoever. Now you've got to understand that Paul is writing this passage to the Corinthians, the church of Corinth. And the reason why he's writing this is because they had become more about doing than being. Let me say that one more time. They had been more about doing than really being. They had given, they had done, but you know what had happened? It wasn't really out of true love, but it had become out of obligation. It's very similar to what we read of in Revelations chapter 2. If you would read in Revelations chapter 2, the first three verses, you would see that the, the word of encouragement to the church of Ephesus, or known as the loveless churches, I see your works, I see everything you've done, you You've done good. I mean, you've stood against and opposed what's wrong. You've stood up for the truth. You've helped people. You've given people. But in verse 4 it says this, Nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. Guess what? You don't have love. You have left your first love. And we've got to be so careful in our lives that we haven't left the love of God. We can have love. But the only way we can have love is to receive love. And then as a result of receiving love, guess what? We can then give love. I want to read the next few verses, if I could, from 1 Corinthians 13, because then it shows us what love does and what love truly is. Verse 4, it says, Love suffers long and it is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. What else? It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Look, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes for all the things. What else? Love endures all things. And I love the first part of verse 8. It says, and love, God's love, what? Never fails. Notice something about love. Love is not about me. It's about others. Love is not what I receive. Love is what I give. 
Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about all this. It's about giving. The truest act of love is about giving. It's about giving love to other people. It's about reaching, not being selfish, not being paraded, not being puffed up, not about you, not about thinking of bad things about others, but yet given, given, given. Because I have love, I can give love. And jump to verse 13 and it says these, and now abides faith. Hope, sorry, that's the wrong scripture. I gave them the wrong scripture. I apologize. It says, and now abides faith, hope, and love. But listen to these. These three things, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. Why is love greater than faith? Because one day our faith will turn into sight. The faith that we're believing of, the faith that God's going to come back and get us. Guess what? One day we'll turn into sight because we'll see God. We'll be in heaven. We'll see those things. The hope that we have and the expectancy we have will turn into an experience. But guess what? Love will still be love because God is love. You see, true love, as I said, is all about giving. But you can't give what you haven't got. If you don't have love, God's love aside of you, how can you really truly love other people? I thought of this illustration about a dog. A lot of you can go to these shelters and you can pick up dogs and you can know straight away dogs that have come from abused homes. Because a dog that's abused, when you lift your hand to notice this, to love that dog, what does it do? It cowers back because that hand that you're trying to love with was once a hand that was used to beat that dog. So the same response it has to love is the same response it had to the beatings, to the abuse, to everything that it has in its life. Why? Because it's been programmed that way. That's all it knows. And as a result of only knowing that way, it doesn't receive love. It takes time to warm up to you. It takes time and can still be very much afraid. So many of us are so much like that little dog. Come on, we've gone through hurt. We've gone through pain. That now when someone reaches out to love us, the response is still the same. We put up the barriers. We put up the walls. I was just thinking about that this week. That is a very sad reality and that is this. Because of the hurts and the pains of our lives, if we don't watch, those past hurts can stop us from, refu- from accepting future love. Because the same barriers that we put up to stop hurt are the same barriers that's going to stop love coming through into our lives. And we've got to realize that love is such a powerful, everyone desires to be loved. I don't care what anyone says. The quest for everyone is to be loved. Everyone wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to be loved. So love has to be first in you so it can come out of you. You need to experience and know the love of God, that you can love other people despite your hurts, despite the past. God can give you still a love for people that can heal, that can mend, that can restore, as we're going to see. And perhaps the greatest, or not perhaps the greatest display of love ever, we read earlier, or someone quoted earlier, comes from John 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look what it says. God so loved that he gave. 
Because of his love, he gave. And God didn't give with restrictions. God didn't say, well, I'm giving this to this kind of people. I'm giving this if you do good and you're this. God says, no, across the board, whosoever wants to accept that, whoever wants to grab a hold of that, it's available for everyone. No strings attached. You just got to grab a hold of it. You see, the love that was given, the only requirement is for it to be received, for it to be embraced and taken a hold of. You and I today have the ability to have true love. And as a result of having God's love in our lives, guess what? It will change the way we love other people. I've heard many people and I've seen many people who have come in who were very hard. Very miserable people. People that if you saw, you would turn away or you would say, man, I never would want to be around someone like that. But as a result of the love of God coming into their lives, those people are completely changed. Now they love people. Now they help people. Now they embrace people. Now they're not afraid to cry. Why? Because there's a love that's inside of them that now allows them to express. Look at this saying. It says this. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. You can give without love. You can reluctantly give something. Some of you have perhaps given that this Christmas, you know, reluctantly given gifts to someone that you really didn't want to. But you can give without love. But I'm telling you right now, when you have love in your heart, guess what? You'll give because you can't truly love without giving. Come on, you want to give. You want to look for the best. You want to buy the best. You want to do this and you want to do that. And you want to give and give and give. And incidentally, man, I, I, I really hit rock button this week when it came to Kelly's gift. I just want to tell you, she's in the nursery. She's not listening. I want to tell you right now, iPad minis sold out everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. So I had to break the news to her yesterday that they're solid. She still thinks I think I'm playing with her because that's kind of how I am. So I'm going to have to keep reminding her I'm not really playing because I don't want her to really be distraught. Um, so I, I had to go to plan B. Plan B was just to find some little kind of nice stuff till the big thing arrives, you know, because it's coming but not on Tuesday. And um, so I went yesterday, got her this really nice purse, you see. So I'm all excited about that. She doesn't have a clue that it's coming till we go to the kitchen. And the first thing Luke says to his mum is, hey, mum, we went and bought you a really nice purse today. <laughs> so, guys, I'm in trouble Tuesday. No iPad midi. She already knows a purse is coming. I've struck out this year. Struck out this year. But you know what? Here's the thought. Because of love, you want to give, don't you? Because of love, you sacrifice. Come on, parents. How many of you have ever gone without because you want to give to your kids? That's love, isn't it? You don't care about yourself. You care. If we could adapt that same mentality in our relationships to our spouse and to people around us, to have that same love just emanate from us, I'm telling you, this world would be such a different place. And today I want to look today at love. But I want to look at God's love. I want to look at true love today and why still so many of us fail to accept the fact that God really loves you. You know, we can say God loves me, but most times there's a small clause after that, I think. I think God loves me. I want to show you today that God loves you with no clause. There's no loopholes. There's no exceptions to his love. You know, we've all heard the phrase and I'm sure we've all quoted the phrase many times. God loves you. God loves me. But it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to speak it. But it's another thing to receive that. 
It's another thing to understand. Do I have any witnesses in the house to that? You know, sometimes you look and you say, why, why? So I want us to try and understand God's love today, looking at what I believe are key elements to God's love. Here's the first key element, and that is this. It's undeserved love. It's undeserved. That means you don't deserve it. Can I just break it to you right now? I'll let you down gently. You don't deserve the love of God. Why? Because the love of God is undeserved. Have you ever struggled and wondered and comprehended, why would God love me? Have you ever looked at the sins and the things and the acts and just, just the, the nasties of your life and you've questioned and said, why would God ever want to use someone like me? Never mind, love me. And those sins and those things so many times tend to distance us from God that we would look and we would turn around and say, there's no way possibly that God could ever love me. Adam and Eve were in the same way. In the Garden of Eden, they sinned against God and God shows up. Now, the last person they wanted to show up when they sinned against him was God. So what did they do? They hid from God. For what reason? They wanted to distance themselves. They didn't want to be near to God because they were ashamed. They thought God would reject them. He wouldn't love them anymore. Now, God had to judge them for their sin, but God was gracious and he still loved them. He still gave them a promise. He gave them the hope of Jesus Christ. Come on. He gave them still hope. God still loved them. Many times we're like that. We hide from God. I'm not going to go to church next Sunday because what if God's there? What if I have to meet God? I I don't want to read my Bible because what if God speaks to me? Why? Because we're ashamed. We feel so undeserving. Let me remind you again, his love is undeserving. His love is undeserving. I think Job says it really well. I mean, you've got to take something from Job. What an incredible guy. Loses everything, but yet still holds on to his love he has from God. Yeah, he goes through and he, he, he struggles, and, but yet he still holds on. And look what Job says in the conclusion of everything he's faced in Job 42, verse 5 and 6. He says this, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I've heard what people have said. But now my eyes have seen you. Or Job says, because I have seen you, guess what? I abhor myself. What is he basically saying? I I disgust myself. I am so ashamed of who I am. And he repents in dust and ashes because it seems like nothing he can do can take the place of the sin and the doubt and the questions. And he's saying, I've heard of you, but now I really know you. I really see myself for how I really am. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I wonder if you've ever felt that the closer you seem to try to get to God, the more you realize how bad you really are. And so undeserving his love really is. You're not alone if you feel like that, but you're in good company. Paul, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he described himself, we heard a couple of weeks ago, as despicable me. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am what? Not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church. He didn't just persecute the church. He killed the Christians. He killed people, he beat them, he imprisoned them, he was awful. And he turns around and says, guess what, I'm the least. What does he say? I'm not worthy to be called a follower, a child of God. Wow, Paul felt like that. 
Yeah, Moses did too. Remember Moses, the deliverer of Israel? When God came to him, Moses said, who am I? I mean, I can't do this. I can't even speak. Why would you choose me? He began to question himself. Why? Because he felt he was undeserving. What about David? You know, David, the one that's known as a man who had the heart of God inside of him, a man after the heart of God, he questions and he says, but who am I? How can I do this? It's not possible. It's not possible. And then perhaps the greatest example we see in the Bible is the example of Gideon. And Gideon says, hold on, when the angel comes to him and says, God's got a job for you to do, he turns around and says, hey, you must be talking to the wrong person because can I just remind you who I am? He says, I come from the worst and I'm the worst of the worst. Come on. He says, I come from the weakest clan. And we're not only the weakest clan, I'm the runt of the bunch. Come on, he says, I'm the weakest of the weakest. It doesn't get much worse than that. But you see, when we try to line our lives up, the answer every time is, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to deserve the love. But it's a love that he gives. He gives for every one of us. You see, just like those guys, Moses, David, Gideon, Paul, we must comprehend, we must grasp, we must accept. And maybe we'll never totally understand it. I don't. But you've got to grasp this. And that is, God is crazy about you. God is crazy about you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do that can make God love you less. God loves you. His love is not based upon what we deserve, but rather it's based on who he is. And may I remind you today who God is. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. Love is not something he does. Love is who he is. Let me say that again. Love is not just an act of what God performs. Love is what he is. If it were possible to cut God into two 10 million pieces or whatever, how many pieces, every piece would still possess love, 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 love. Why? Because God is love. Because he is love, he loves you. It's not because we deserve it. It's because he is it. And because he is love today, you are loved of God, period. End of story. No, we don't deserve it, but it's not based on that. But it's based all upon Him. And God is love. And as we understand who God is, that truth will change everything. But there's still more to His love. Look at this. The second part of His love is this. He loved you first. He loved you first. How do we know this? Romans 5 verse 8 tells us this. But God demonstrated his own love towards us that in while we were yet sinners, guess what? Christ died for us. He loved us so much that when we weren't really lovable, God said, I still 
love you. God loved you first. I, I encourage you when you get home, read Psalms 139, an incredible psalm that David writes. David begins by saying, God, where can I go from your presence? If I go here, there, everywhere, your presence is still there. And then God begins to speak to him and shows him something about how God created him and formed him. And before he was even alive, before he was even formed, God knew his days. God fashioned his days. God loved him and looked at him as so precious. You've got to realize today that God loved you before you were even born. What an incredible love. What a picture of first love. Loving you before we were even created. A great example is also in the story of the prodigal son. That he's gone away. He's spent everything. He's living wrong. He has nothing. He decides he's going to come back. And look what happens in Luke 15 verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father's house. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran on fell on his neck and kissed him. He didn't even have a chance to say he was sorry. Love touched him before he could touch love. God loves you first. He loved you first. He loved you first. And as a result of his love, you and I are loved. There's nothing we can do as we said to earn it. We're already and have been always loved by God. Simply because God made us and he loves us each and every one of us. His creation. He loves you first. He loves you first. What an incredible picture. And I know I need to go on. But the fact that God loves me first. It doesn't matter what I've done. It could be the worst of the worst. God says, I'm still loving you. My love goes beyond all that. My love has always been for you. But remember, all you've got to do is receive that. Here's the third thing. Love about his love. Look at this. His love covers us. His love covers us. Remember how we talked about how our sins and our shortcomings can many times distance us from God. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, love covers all sins. Come on, all sins means yours, mine and others. No matter what you've done, no matter what you are doing, God's love and forgivenesses are bigger than your biggest sins. Come on, read that with me. Look at that. God's love and forgivenesses are bigger than your biggest sin. He forgives you. No matter what you've done, it's greater than anything that you and I could ever do. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, guess what? He is faithful and to just to forgive us from all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's not a sin that his love cannot cover. There's not a sin that his love cannot remove. Well, Pastor Philip, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to. I know what he's done. And because he died, you can have life because his blood. We used to sing that song in Sunday school. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We used to have that written on a little box. And we used to have to stand in front of the class. And we'd have to spin that box for all the words. And we loved that as kids. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Nothing. But what an incredible thought that his love covers me. 
covers me. You know when Satan wants to remind you of your past? Remind him of his future. Because God's love covers your sin. I could talk for a long time about this, but in the Old Testament, covering just meant covering. It just covered. But in the New Covenant, when he died, it's not just covered. It's not just laid over. It's removed. It's taken. He says, I have blotted out your transgressions. I have removed them as far as the east is from the west. Come on, how many knows when God covers something, he doesn't say every so often, whoa, whoa, look, 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 it's still there. He doesn't turn up the rug and say, see, I know what you did. I know what you did. God says, when I've covered it, I've forgiven it, and I've forgotten it. Come on, when Satan reminds you of those sins... You've got to realize God doesn't know those things anymore. Satan wants to bring you into condemnation. You've got to remind yourself, hold on, the blood of Jesus covered. It's done with. It's been paid. The price is paid in full and I'm free today. Why? Because of his love. Tis the season to love, to realize the greatness of love. Love is all about giving and love gave its life for every one of us. Last but not least, I love this one. This is incredible. His love is unconditional. Love. A lot like the undeserving, but yet on steroids. Taking it to the next level. In other words, the unconditional thought is still, it's not about what I do, but it's about him. Remember when you were kids, and hopefully it was just the girls in here and not the guys. But remember when you'd grab a little flower with petals and you'd pull the petals off and you'd go, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. And if it was... He loves me not. You'd throw it down, bad flower, pick up another one, and you would just keep going till you got the outcome that you wanted. But you know, what was a little harmless game when we were kids, unfortunately, has become the game of our life. What do I mean by that? When we have good days at work and we do good, we go home and we think, God loves me. But you know what? We've got the tendency many times that when we lose our temper at work or we kind of wave at someone in the wrong way in our car. And we do something wrong. You know what we have the tendency to say? He loves me not. Come on, when we help someone in need and we see someone, we're feeling really good about ourselves and God loves me. But when we walk past and we fail to meet that need, we can have that tendency to be on that roller coaster where he loves me not. I want to tell you today that that's a lie. I want to tell you that God's love is not determined upon your performance. God's love is unconditional. means it's always there. And can I tell you this about God? God only raises one-petaled daisies in the gardens of His love. God only raises one petal daisies in the garden of his love. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. You know, there's another cool illustration. I heard this. You know, this young girl, she's madly and passionately in love with this guy. I mean, she's 15. It's forever. You know how that was. I mean, this is it. It is forever. You're my soulmate. Come on. It's, it's over. I mean, no more else. No eyes for anyone else. BFF. Forever. I mean, it's incredible. So she gets a beautiful frame and she puts a picture of herself in it for her boyfriend. And on the back of the picture, she writes a short little note. And she says, I love you more than life itself. I am yours forever. Love always, Ashley. Wow, her unconditional commitment. How incredible. But then it contained an addition at the bottom. P.S. 
if we ever break up, I want this picture back because it's the only one I have. I wonder how many of us are like that almost with God. Can I remind you today, there's no PSs to God's love. Come on, His love is unconditional. It's given no matter whether we deserve it or not. It's not temporary. It's forever. Come on, Jeremiah 31 verse 3, just in case you would question. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Something that's everlasting means it's never going to run out. It's never going to die out. It's never going to burn out. It's always going to be there. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. But listen to this, all other loves are subject to change. It's only one love, the love of God. Let me read this scripture from Romans 8, almost finished today. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Writes these words, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Aren't you glad today that no matter what happens, God's love is still there? Aren't you glad that no matter what you've done and the testimony of your past, that His love is still available for you? All you have to do is embrace it. All you have to do is receive it. He doesn't withhold it from you, but it's there. Why? Because it's unconditional. As I bring this to a close today, Jesus one day was sitting with tax collectors and sinners. The self-righteous people came up to Jesus and said, what's the deal? I mean, why are you meeting and eating with people who are sinners? I mean, don't you know who these people are? And I thought it was really sad that Jesus had to give examples to those who should have known better while he had the opportunity to minister to those who were lost. Let me say that one more time. The self-righteous religious leaders that should have known better, Jesus had to then turn his attention from the people he was at to address them. How sad. And Jesus addresses them in three ways. He talked first about a lost sheep, how man had a hundred sheep. But when he made a head count, there was 99. So he left the 99 and he went searching for the one. And when he found the one, he called his friends and he said, what was lost is found. Let's have a party. And then he goes on and he says, there's a lady who had beautiful coins. And in the process of life, she'd lost a coin. So she took a brush. She took a lamp. She swept. She moved furniture. She did everything she could. And she finally found that coin. And she called everyone and she said, come on, let's have a party. Because what was lost was now found. And he tells a third story about a lost son who went away and spent everything And every day the father longed for him to come back. And one day when he came back, he was accepted and there was great celebration. In each of these stories, as I said, what was lost was found. There was great rejoicing and there was a great party to celebrate. And guess what? You and I are that one. You and I are that one. God loves you and I so much that he's been searching and looking and moving every obstacle he can to find us. He's watching every moment of every day for you to return. When you're just a dot on the horizon, guess what? He's waiting to sprint towards you because he loves you. Why would God love me? Why would God love you? Because that's who God is. God is love. And because he's loved, 
that makes you his beloved. You're beloved in God. You may say, well, Pastor Philip, I thought this was going to be a Christmas message today. It was. It was. Why? Because love came down. Because of Jesus coming. Because love was given, you and I can be forgiven. And because we're forgiven today, we can keep on giving. Come on, I'm no longer a nothing because that's what I am if I don't have love. But I'm a carrier of love. You and I are loved today. Tis the season to love. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.